This is Perthy Dub Tonsils with a personal message for those of you listening to my new album. Hi. <laughs> or should I say hi-fi. <laughs> I'm sitting here beside my Italian harpsichord with its genuine quill plucks. And behind me is a marble bust. Well, perhaps not a bust, but then it wasn't a complete success either. <laughs> so now, greetings across your turntables and with a little sip of my martini. Bruce, there's a fraction too much vermouth. Shall we begin? I'm so glad I found your, your podcast and your God, site. Like, me I too. was just like, where did this come from? These guys are holding up this Kovacs record. Like, yeah. this is so cool. Yeah, that was a good... I hope you liked the episode. It was a little weird and rambling, but, like... Yeah, that was because... This is the guy who really introduced me yeah, to Yeah, well, you I... You know, so... Yeah, it's just... We have, like, a weird family. Yeah. Like, because his engineer, his chief engineer, when uh, Kovacs was What's at WTTN, I think is what it's called, which is the original Jersey. That's they when he first got on right, there. Right. He was selling cigars across the street. Right. Uh, that's what the story is. Yeah. And one day, someone had an audition. They were too nervous, so he just went in like whatever, because he was like, you know, crazy anyway. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, but his, the chief engineer they did a lot of the work with lived owned the house that my grandparents bought it from. And he was there a lot, and that's why we he, think we have those weird yeah. slate things. At some point, I'd love to talk to you about them, because yeah. those sounds are really cool. It's yeah, yeah, we've, I, haven't, I haven't since... But it's radio, right? Yeah, it's radio. It would be radio. It would be back in the radio. And I have a theory of what they are, yeah. but I haven't been able to fully inspect them, because I haven't had to look at them right. in a decade. Right. And then I haven't been back home since, you know, we went, but my grandmother said, hey, you can... Take a look at them and, you know, see what you can do with them. But. There's not a lot of people that, if they're, uh, if they're air checks, which is what they might be, it sounds like, if they're, they're like, big, I'm sure they're very, like, big and heavy. Right, they're huge. Yeah, yeah. those are air checks because that's what that came off of, but it was from television. Right. So what they used to do is essentially air checks, I guess, were, um, if you were... Uh, a sponsor, or if you were the head of a corporation that was like spending a lot of money in advertising on a radio show or a television yeah. show, there were these companies that would that were out there that would basically, if you paid them, they would record it yeah, over right. like an FM. I think it was a, it, and that's why these recordings are actually pretty good. Is that it was recorded over an FM band? Oh, okay. So the recording, I don't know that much about it, but right. Right. the recordings are actually pretty good. Um, even though people couldn't hear it on television that well, mm -hmm. they were broadcast that right, well. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, they sound beautiful. But the, uh, so probably he was getting somebody to record, like, an air check just because he wanted to have some of these shows because they were going out and no one was ever going to hear from him again. Right, right, you know? right, right. So, um, but we have, like, all these air checks. But the thing is, for television only. Right. But the thing is, they're getting harder and harder to find places that are actually going to transfer them because it's such old technology and like they can still do it but it's like you kind of have to find the right place the right guy right usually an older dude that was around sort of or knew worked with the technology a little bit because right. every time you play it it loses a generation so whenever you play oh, it you want to make sure okay. that you okay. actually yeah you do it you're not you're not just running like it over well I guess it's good that they've been sitting in your attic for 60 yeah. years because they probably haven't been touched, no they haven't been touched so. or played and yeah. and the only other theory that I have mm. is I know from reading he did a lot of like on location stuff. Oh yeah. And they recorded that. I remember reading somewhere on this medium which I have no idea what it is, but it was basically like wire 
mm-hmm. like wire, right. and it had the same concept as a magnetic tape, mm-hmm. but it was actually on wire, and it was really bulky. And that would be my only other guess is maybe it's like a Trenton High football game that he called or something completely random that he did on location, mm-hmm. and that's the the wire spool right. because they're they're on like big film reels, the oh. wire reels. I looked it do up they once. Look, do they look like real like film reels? Or they they kind of look like film reels from what I've seen online, and right. I actually I don't know because we I've never taken the actual media that's in my grandmother's attic right. out of the case. Right. But I know what these things look like is they're comparable in size, but of course I looked at a picture. But that's that's my best guess. Right. Okay. Either that or something like an air check. That that makes even more sense. So hey, who knows? it's a I mystery. Mean, yeah. When you know, let me know. I'm going I'm going back in uh in October probably, definitely first week because my cousin's getting married, so mm. I'll actually be staying with my grandmother, so I'm gonna be checking it out first oh, week in November. Be yeah, so definitely. Good. I mean that's on the agenda is we're gonna get up there and with my uncle and mm-hmm. take a look at it and figure it out and see what it is. I'm but they say they're heavy. Yeah. So if they're heavy that might be that air check. I think they're air talk. checks. Yeah. Just because, just in the way you like on the ta- on the podcast yeah. describe them yeah. and what you're telling me if they're really heavy and they're really big they yeah. they sound like air checks. Yeah, they're they're huge okay. and they're and they're heavy. They're so heavy that to be honest with you I think they got left up there. Because nobody wanted to Because no one wanted yeah, to move I, them. I can see that. Totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what it was. Yeah. And then just, you know, the way that, you know, also the way that my grand, my family is and grand, yeah. like, you know, there's like 16 motorcycles in the yard. Oh, yeah? Yeah, you know, so the last <laughs> thing I knew was, oh, this this might be, right. this might be awesome. <laughs> we're just going to let it sit there for 60 years. Yeah, right, I mean, That's right. totally on par. You know, you should also, uh, there's, not that I want to hold this up anymore. No, but, no, no, yeah, you no, know, no, if no. you would, tilt that back towards you a little. I'm already recording. Oh, you are? A little oh, okay, bit. Yeah, cool. so we, we'll just, we'll move okay. in from here. All right. Yeah. Uh, there's also, um, there's the Trenton Public that's Library, which I went to. Okay. And yeah. there's a thing called, like, Trentoniana or something. There's, right. like, a room that's just Trenton. Uh, and there's a woman there who is a librarian. Um, she's great. And I have her name. I just can't remember it off the top of my head. But she's, like, the one person there that sort of, like, you know, preserves, like, Ernie and Trenton history. Right. And she's, uh-huh. like, really all about it. You should let her know about it, too, because they have all the Trenton... Um, I will. I definitely will. Uh, uh, newspapers. Right. From the Trentonian and all right. that kind of stuff, so they could probably figure out a way, like, oh, when this was recorded, recorded. what it possibly was. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. She's great. I didn't, Amazing. I didn't know about her, so I'll have to check that out. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah, um, so. we've already started, everybody, but this is comedy on vinyl. This week, uh, back with us is Adam Storm. Hello. And uh, for first time, <laughs> well, we have another cat in the room, <laughs> uh, but uh, first time guest Josh Mills. Hello. We're, we're very excited to have you. Uh, you contacted us after hearing the last Ernie Kovacs episode. I did. I was uh, kind of doing some uh, just research on the internet or just looking around, and I f- saw two guys holding up an Ernie Kovacs record, and I was like, what's this? And <laughs> it's great. I'm glad you guys even have the record. That's great. Yeah, yeah. it was ex- I, I I'm excited that I found it. Yeah, and it was, like, it was something weird, though, to you, though, right, Storm? Because you'd never heard it. Before. I'd never even heard that, that record was yeah. published. Um, yeah, that was a nice Christmas gift. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, but uh, let's why don't you, you know? Let's just start with your basic history. Sure. Obviously, your mother was Edie Adams, and uh, in case you don't know out there, Edie Adams was obviously once married to Ernie Kovacs. Um, and I'm sure there are plenty of stories because you're too young to have met him, right? It was, it was different, he, right? He died in '62. Mm-hmm. I was born in '68, so right. I grew up around Ernie, mm-hmm. sort of omnipresent, constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. There were pictures, and there was, you know, I mean, I knew, but it was, uh, it was, uh, I, he wasn't my dad, right. but he was definitely there. I mean, you know, or he was always talked about, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, 
Man, but but and you are you're the, you're basically you're the one in charge of both their states, right? So you get to you you're the one who was in charge of getting this album out, this new album. Yeah, I I um essentially my mom passed away in 2008 mm-hmm. and I run her estate uh and Ernie's estate. Um and you know, my mom was amazing in in terms of being she really was a pioneer in terms of of saving this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, collectors and and uh, you know, Folks just really can't believe that anybody kept this. Uh, you know, I'm literally my mom's been paying storage on this for you know fifty plus years, Shit, yeah. and now I'm paying for it. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, happily, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom was great at preserving all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, the issue was always that you know she held on to it really tightly, and you know, her company Ediad Productions, which I now run. Uh, we're not Disney. We're not a big corporation. Right. We don't have like a ton of money. Um, but, you know, she would hold on to it very tightly. So there were things like these air checks and there were things uh, that were just in the archive that were just, you know, things that should be out there and people should be hearing. And I'm really happy that I can actually find people that want to put it out, find people that want to yeah. listen to it and mm. hear it. So, yes, it's it's exciting. It's great. And uh, we're talking just, again, uh, we're talking about Percy Dove Tonsils Speaks, and it's frigging great. It's all Percy Dove Tonsils stuff, which if you listen to the last episode, uh, we talk, there's, there's, I don't remember how many clips are on the last album, two or three. Three. Three on the last one? Okay. But this is all Percy Dove Tonsils, but it's not just, I mean, you said it's air checks, but there's also some clips from some other... Some other programs, right? That are not well, were so not his. Actually, program. there in at a certain point, probably sixty sixty one, uh, a quote unquote independent record label uh-huh. uh, was interested in putting out an Ernie Kovacs record, and he okay. talks about it. And actually, on this in October, Shout Factory is going to put out a uh, Ernie Kovacs collection volume two, mm-hmm. and there is a great seventeen minute interview with the CBC in Canada mm-hmm. on television uh, where he talks about this, and he talks oh, about really? a lot of things, but wow. he talks about this record specifically and how he doesn't like records that uh, are like stand up records mm-hmm. where someone gets on a stage and st- does stuff, and he wanted to do his own thing, and yeah. it's kind of interesting to to see. Um, but essentially, he went and recorded. Just the raw um, audio. Mm-hmm. And typically of Ernie, there was a dispute with the record label. Yeah. And <laughs> there was some sort of problem with payment. And they also wanted more tracks. And it was only 25 minutes and they needed more. And he wrote back, have these correspondence, these letters, and mm-hmm. saying like, well, yeah, that's great. But you haven't paid me for the studio time. You haven't paid me yeah. for the stuff first so i'm not going to be able to do any more for you until you pay me and well we need this and it goes back and forth and he gets his agent involved i don't know how this is the part that's sort of vexing but essentially he just said can i swear by the way oh okay okay, he just said fuck it if if you guys are going to pay me no one's going to have this and he donated it to cedar sinai of lebanon which is cedar sinai now right the hospital um and I have all these records showing that my mom went to Cedar sinai in like the 70s and bought it back. Wow. Because wow. she wanted really? to have it. Wow. So it just, it's been sort of in the archive, mislabeled, mis, you know, uh, and... What a gem. Yeah. What yeah. a gem. That's but it was, what was great about it was that we found it, uh, well, a guy, let me just back up a little bit. A guy named Ben Modell, who uh, is basically the Ernie Kovacs curator, archivist, right. um, all-encompassing dude, mm-hmm. who's great and uh, figured out that from looking through the actual physical material that we have in storage, that uh, he 
came upon this. It was mislabeled as like film. Oh, okay. And so he like opened it up and was like, no, this isn't film. This is tape. Like this is yeah. so this is the comedy record that I've heard about. Um, crazy. So we had Ben, who's actually a silent film accompanist, uh-huh. uh, do a score behind it because on the raw audio you can hear Ernie saying at the very end, okay, we'll just add 88 bars of piano here and we'll do this. So uh-huh. we thought, well, Ernie's kind of telling us what he wanted, yeah, so yeah. let's finish it. That's so wow. cool. That is so cool. Well, so, and it mm-hmm. speaks volumes that I didn't spot that it was new music. I mean, you know, added to cool. it. So yeah. that's, <laughs> no, I, that's why I was like, actually when I listened to it the first time, because mm-hmm. I picked up a copy too, and I was, I actually was surprised because I was like, okay, here's this album that you read the back cover and it shows the whole story how it kind of like got done. And I was right. like, it obviously was never completed, but this sounds complete. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I guess they really completed it, but never finished. But that makes sense that if you're saying you added the music afterwards. And- that's actually great to hear because at one point when we were going through mastering, and mm-hmm. by the way, it's a company um, who are great people, Omnivore Recordings. They're, mm-hmm. If you just go to their website and check out their stuff, like they essentially focus on a lot of vinyl, which is great, yeah. but records that either should have existed and didn't, mm-hmm. or records that should have been on vinyl or that never were, or wow. adding bonus tracks, and they're doing some... I mean, I'm a huge music fan, so they're, sure. they're putting out a new, like a new issue of an old 97s record, and they're doing Spain records, and they're doing... Bert Janish records and they're doing all sorts hmm. of crazy stuff awesome. so they were the people that we went to and I've known them for a while and they just they did a great job yeah, yeah. it's fantastic yeah. printing that's, and I, yeah that's the other thing is I want to talk about aesthetically yeah first of all I've only bought two new vinyl comedy <laughs> albums in a while okay the one one of them is the one behind me which is an all-white album which uh-huh. is beautiful in and of itself but this <laughs> thing is lavender and looks like it's Bakelite which is just God, it's beautiful. Like, I love it, and it's obviously... <laughs> can't get any, I mean, it's obviously as fruity as it can possibly be, which is perfect. <laughs> yes. But, oh, my God. So so who actually manufactured the actual disc? Um, Did you get that done elsewhere? Or? Well, um, Cheryl Pavelski, who runs the label, is uh, someone who used to work at EMI, and she was in the reissue division there. She's worked at Concord, Rhino, and a bunch of different oh, wow. places. Mm-hmm. And she's always had this vision of starting her own company, and she did, and... Why I really love her and them is that basically um, they were like, well, this should be on purple vinyl, right? I mean, that's just lavender vinyl makes sense. You're like, yes. uh, (laughs) Someone's actually, you know, wanting to do that. And the great thing was also that we actually had a template. He had created that artwork. It was actually the artwork that he, I found in the file. So we basically went like, we don't have to create the whole new like it's there yeah. yeah. so Greg uh, Allen who does all their design put this all together did a fantastic job and mm-hmm. they're just like they're basically people that just think you know essentially this should look a certain way this should yeah. be a certain way right. and they did a like great a job like a true reissue it yeah, doesn't exactly. look like, digital like, that's the thing is it's like printed printed it doesn't look yeah. like blown up shitty JPEGs right. which you would expect nowadays so yeah. Yeah. it's gorgeous so yeah it feels like it's it's a real general genuine vinyl album, yeah. and as as much as I like you know the ease of a digital download or even the CD, sure. it doesn't. I mean, this LP is like you when you look at it like you're describing. You mm-hmm. know, it's like what's that? You know, talking about music is like dancing to architecture or whatever. Right, it's like right, when right. you actually hear it and see it and look at it, you'll you totally go, oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got a great feel. Yeah, like yeah. I'm kind of waiting. I haven't actually dropped the needle on this only because I got the digital download and I figured that was easier. I want to wait. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, uh, yeah. God, but it's so beautiful. Um, yeah. So 
then let's let's talk about. I mean, we can talk about when, when's the first time you actually heard or saw any of Ernie's comedy. Then, growing up, uh, well, it's a weird thing because, like I was saying, Ernie was very omnipresent yeah. and around. And when I was a kid, we. I mean, we grew up, and I grew up in the house that that my mom and Ernie lived in. My, yeah. my parents, who my dad was a photographer, his mm-hmm. name was Martin Mills. They divorced, you know, probably nineteen seventy. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom lived in the house uh, up until probably like seventy seven, seventy six, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but I remember his den. I mean, vividly, and I remember it was still pretty much intact. And that was like the garage, right? Was it a separate garage den thing or something? It was. Okay. You, we had a big uh, driveway, a long driveway, right. and actually, this is one of Ernie's things. At, you know, in the fifties, sixties, big cars, not easy to get up and down, like big, you know, right. turnaround in the garage at the very top. So he built this giant, for lack of a better word, turntable. Yeah. Yeah, I've read about what? that. Yeah, it was a big turntable. Oh, you told me about that. Yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah, you did I've tell me about that. That's hilarious. And it would the thing would break like every two two minutes. That's, I mean, that's it was what so I, that would be old. my next question. Yeah. I would imagine that like. Well, it was like concrete, and so <laughs> you'd actually shit. take this lever and you'd go, you know, you'd lift it up and and it would literally turn the car around, so you didn't have to back it up, because Ernie was frankly not a very good driver uh-huh. uh, and Jack Lemon was a worse driver uh-huh. so one time Jack Lemon would try to drive up there and it was like tr- him trying to back the car down the hill it was like <laughs> forget it I, this is all you know stories I heard so but yes Ernie was loved gadgets mm-hmm. loved any kind of electronics any new I mean my mom said that they had a car that had a turntable in it because everybody <laughs> talks about the Beatles having the turntable yeah. in the car. Like, I was like, no, we did that first. Yeah, we we yeah. had to have vinyl. Holy we had to listen shit. to it in the car. That's hilarious. Um, wow. But when you went in, uh, he had, it was his own private den. Right. And it had a sign outside saying, if it said not now, it meant don't come in. And it could right. be on for hours or days. Right. Um, and you went in and, and, this is sort of my joke I always tell, but essentially, um, I walked in. You'd walk in, and and I always thought that they they came up with the Adams Family show mm-hmm. based on our family. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> I literally thought this as a little kid because my mom's last name was Adams. Right. And you'd walk into this place, and there were you know suits of armor. There were dueling pistols. Holy instead shit. of. Um, there was like you'd go in, and to the right there was like a bathroom with a with a, a steam room, which he loved. Uh, but you go in the den. In the den. <laughs> yes. That's why he wouldn't leave for That's why he's the man. days. He just Ooh. he would just stay in there, and he'd yeah. take a steam, take a nap, and then go back to work. Holy crap! Um, but you'd go in, and 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 there was this little like three steps down, and instead of uh, like a railing, he had um, swords. That you would hold on I to. I somehow knew you were going to say that. Right. Amazing. So good. But there was, I mean, literally, you know, like bearskin rugs, and there was a trap door that he made for a wine cellar. Uh huh. So it was, as a kid, it was fairly creepy. I mean, yeah. it was, yeah. you know, Ernie was, you know, my mom would say this, he was kind of a dark figure. He was yeah. a maudlin kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a man's man. I mean, he liked, you know, guns, and right. I don't know if he was quite the hunter, but he liked the guns, and yeah. I think he fashioned himself more as, like, an Ernest Hemingway rather than being Ernest Hemingway. Right, right, right. right. Um, but it was this, like, crazy den that had a hi-fi and had, you know, all the latest gadgets, and mm-hmm. that's where he would work at his poker table, and they would play, mm-hmm. you know, card games till, you know... My mom would sometimes go out and... You know, would say not now at six in the morning, and then she'd go out at like three in the afternoon. Would say not now. She'd go yeah. back at like six at night, seven o'clock still, and they'd have like you know twenty four hour, forty eight hour poker games and yeah. just oh my keep God. playing. Yeah. So, 
that crazy sounds like Adam's perfect house. I have to. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like, that definitely. I don't know. Maybe it's like a Trenton thing. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah, what like it is. that dark, like aesthetic, like awesome bare skin rugs, <laughs> like yeah. swords. Yes. That's so funny. Did was it a thing where did did your mom play his comedy or? You know, like, there were there were pictures everywhere. Yeah. Um, in about seventy six, seventy seven mm-hmm. is when. PBS did that uh, special mm-hmm. uh, where they took the quote-unquote best of Kovacs oh. and put it on, and that's when right. most people, you know, now remember from from that time frame. It's yeah. like that's how people's references are, are about Ernie. Um, so I think that was part of it. Mm-hmm. I think also Saturday Night Live was sort of starting around then, so you'd always yeah. have like, you know, I think Belushi and Ackroyd at certain points sort of said like we watched Ernie's stuff or we heard about Ernie's yeah, stuff right. or so Lauren Michaels and it was sort of like that uh, you know new wave of comedy at the time and they mm-hmm. were kind of paying homage to Ernie a little bit so sure. I think all that stuff plus you know there was all the pictures and mm-hmm. things around the house that were constant you know right. reminders so right, right, that's yeah. when I probably I think I was more aware of him than I actually heard him okay right yeah, yeah. that makes perfect sense yeah Last summer, it was my happy pleasure to have walked about in Rome, and one of my visits was made to the Roman Colosseum. And it was there that I thought back and thought, oh, how sad it is to see this place now, and how wondrous and joyful it must have been those many centuries ago. So I have written a little poem called Ode to the Happier Days of the Roman Colosseum. Standing in your drafty ruins, a tear runs down my cheek, thinking of the happy days you had each Roman week. Nostalgia, nostalgia, you tear my every fiber, shiny breathplates in the sun and dips in the river Tiber. No longer does the gladiator stand hacking his opponent, while Caesar watched and ate a slave and perhaps a donut. Um, what, uh, let's talk about getting, I mean, it was, is, I don't know if there is any more to tell about putting the album together. It's, I mean, you know, you, the, the recordings were found, you got them compiled. I mean, did you, was there any picking and choosing? There's no picking and choosing, right? It was just the, the tracks are there or no? Well, on the vinyl, and it's great because, you know, Ernie actually says like, this is the beginning of side one and this is the close yeah. of side one. So you really have an idea of <clears throat> this is exactly the album he wanted to make yeah. in that order. Um, but what well. we did was with the, um, air checks is that we pulled some uh, material off of his 1952 show because it's you know it's great for an album mm-hmm. but that it's only 24 26 minutes which okay. is a perfect album time right um but for a cd or for digital it seems like you know we can't make people pay full price to, yeah right so we kind of combed through and pulled some percy dove tonsils off of the audio air checks and kind of added it on because we felt like you know, people weren't going to be particularly happy with, you know, spending that kind of money. So we just, sure. and plus it's just damn cool. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. That's right. just, you know, there's a bang for your buck. Yeah. Where is it? Where was I looking? There's, um, is it in here? No, there is. There's a picture of, of the glasses. Do the glasses still exist somewhere out of curiosity? They, uh, they do. Uh, <laughs> they, um, it's certain, there were certain, uh, I can't remember if those were auctioned. Mm-hmm. Those were auctioned off, uh, when my mom passed away, she mm-hmm. had a, a very large house, and mm-hmm. I just don't have that big of a house. Right, right. And so there were certain things that I had to keep and certain sure. things that I couldn't keep. Right. Uh, plus, my mom in the 90s, there was a 
it's gone now. It's defunct. It's called the Hollywood Entertainment Museum, and it was like... <sighs> I was talking about this yesterday. I'm so depressed it's not there anymore. I know. It really makes me upset. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it's it's upsetting for a lot of reasons, because they it was supposedly how they were going to reconnect with Hollywood's past, and they gave a whole yep. sort of song and dance, um, but it never really did. Like, they had yeah. the Cheers bar, yep. and they had all these things there. And the there. Next Generation Bridge, which yeah. is, uh, like, huge for me as a nerd. Well, they about two years ago just sort of like we're not going to open and we're just going to auction everything off and Did my mom do had donated a lot of like oh my god classic stuff and like that shit all, holy all of it god damn it and the thing was you know now having been oh. through all this stuff yeah I realized that what she should have done is said you know essentially here you can have this and it's going to be auctioned off if this is ever going to be sold we yeah. get the right of first refusal yeah, 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 and yeah. you know my mom right. just thought she was doing a good thing and right you know right. Yeah, Thing you know. Yeah. Uh, well, I will say this as a as a museum or as a place to go at least. It, it was you know just rungs above all the other garbage at Hollywood and Highland, yeah. which is you know yeah. fucking Ripley's. Believe it or not, wax museum. I, I'm sure that's fun for tourists. I yeah, haven't yeah, even yeah. done it. But the Hollywood Entertainment Museum, you paid five dollars to walk around sets of shit that you grew up with, or at least that I did, yeah. and to see like old stuff. Like I'm sure his glasses were in there somewhere. I didn't just know who the hell he was at the right. time. I was right. too ignorant to realize. But I mean, they had. Um, Oh, so you actually What's, went to the museum? Yes. Oh, yeah, several oh. times. What's the robot from the day the Earth stood still? My brain is just completely... Uh, is it, that's not right. Tobobor. Plato. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Plato that was the guy's name. Oh, right. Oh, right. Um, but you know what I'm talking about. That was there. One of those was there. Really? Like, yes. There's just so much classic, amazing crap there, but sorry. That's a long <laughs> tangent. I just it, it, yeah. I literally was talking about it yesterday, and I was very upset about it. Um Let's see. You know, there's um, also, just to throw it out there, yeah. there's a museum in Chicago called the uh, Museum, it's MBC, the Museum of Broadcasting Center or something, uh -huh. and they have been, my mom donated a lot of stuff to them, too, and they have uh, sort of been trying to find a, uh, a home for all this stuff, so I'm hoping that they're actually going to be up and running and, yeah. you know, going to be able to display this stuff as well, so. Yeah, that'd be nice. And it was, it's actually run, it's run by the guy whose father ran Dumont. His mm -hmm. name is Bruce Dumont. Oh, really? Wow. And he really tried to, you know, do this sort of alternative thing to uh, the, the Paley Center or the mm -hmm. uh, the other, um, what was it previously called? The, uh, before the Paley Center. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I'm not, it's on the back of the, the right. vinyl, I think. But. And they're great friends of ours, too. We did a great event with them in uh, 2011. Um, really? But there's more stuff at this museum of uh, NBC in Chicago, and mm -hmm. we're just hoping that they actually find a building and can yeah. actually display this stuff. So, God, that'd yeah. be nice. Yeah. Um. <laughs> what, why, uh, one, why do you think he chose Percy Dove Tonsils? I guess he's iconic. I guess from yeah. all those things, you yeah. think that's it. He's the one that works best in audio, is what I'm thinking. That's my first thought. You know, it's funny. I think that it got a big laugh. Yeah. Uh, people remembered him. Yeah. Um, I think that you know Nairobi Trio is another thing that Ernie's known for, but that wouldn't really make a no, record. Not at all. Right. Um, and I think that. Um, you know, I mean, the thing about Percy, I think, is that he, uh, for whatever anybody's sort of projecting onto him as yeah. a character, um, he's sort of a sweet guy. And yeah, he's yeah. sort of, he's not going to hurt anyone, and he's a right. very, and I think that, you know, Ernie was a likable guy. I mean, mm -hmm. he could certainly get angry and pissed off uh -huh. and, you know, really, you know, tell someone to shove it. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that the character was just something that he thought was very funny. I mean... 
if you listen to some of the you know things, they're sort of timeless gags, yeah. and they, they, yeah. it's not it's not political, it's not Mm-mm. you know, but it's like historic, and you know, it's it's just very funny. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. He's clearly having so much. There's a couple where he's just killing himself. Right. You yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, growing up, um, we had the, the the family connection, and then like you know, being of an Eastern European background in Trenton. Like, he's, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, we got Ernie Kovacs. You know what I'm saying? Like, kind of like, I remember my, my grandfather's brother talking right. about him. Like, he's kind of like the neighborhood hero. You know what I'm saying? Because he actually, cool. yeah, he didn't, he yeah. didn't, like, just end up working at Roebling Steel making cable. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> like, so right. it's like, oh, my God, we are capable of something really interesting and different. <laughs> um, but anyway, so besides that connection, Philly 57, in, in, which was the old UHF, mm-hmm. they used to broadcast at, like, 10 at night the 70s Kovacs show all through the 80s and the early 90s. Nice. And that's how I got, I knew about him and all the stories, but that's how I, me and actually one of my best friends I grew up with, we got kind of exposed to it because it would just be like, I don't know, just sitting and you didn't have cable, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's just UHF Mm -hmm. and it's like 9 o'clock and this thing comes on and it's like, what? And Percy was always our favorite character, especially my best friend, you know. Mm -hmm. Um... And if I had to say why, I like how you were saying, I couldn't even explain it. Yeah. It was just like, it's kind of like the absurdity. And mm-hmm. just, it's, I don't know. We just, we, that was always our favorite bit. Like right. watching that show, even being like, whatever, 13, 14, 15 yeah. years and old, just, just like what? Because it's just goofy. Yeah. It's yeah. just really like goofy and funny. And I don't know. So yeah. I get it. It's funny because what you're saying is actually my own experience. Like oh, the cool. appeal to it was really that. It wasn't even like the gimmick was so cool. Right. It was just like right. you watch it and just be like, Jesus, this is insane. This yeah. is like, what is this? This is so funny. <laughs> yeah. And then and then you put on it the puns and all the other things. Right. And the fact that he's so amused by his own jokes that exactly. like you're almost in on like his humor. and It's true character. Yes. You know, like, that's yeah. what it is. Just the character is funny. And that's the thing, it's like, you know, the one thing I realized watching all this Ernie Kovacs material for these box sets that are coming out is that I've never seen, and I can say this, you know, with, you know, just, this is the truth as far as I'm concerned, I've never seen anyone more relaxed in Mm -hmm. front of a camera. It's almost like, and that was his thing, like, you were just in his living room, and he was just talking, Mm -hmm. and if things didn't work... It wasn't like he even like made a joke so much about it. He just sort of went on with the sketch and like yeah. went on with the show or mm-hmm. and it's 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 shocking how relaxed and calm he was. Mm-hmm. Because now mm-hmm. you know there's so much pressure and there's so much like, you know, you got to be funny. There's got to be a joke every 2 minutes and he yeah. just let things kind of if it didn't work, eh, tough shit. We'll go yeah. on to the next one. There's right. always tomorrow, or, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I think is amazing about him is he was it's a very sort of languid character as yeah. well that just kind of kind of went on and kind of did its thing and yeah. you know I think just, just checking of, in yeah you know you just check it in with this weird guy right <laughs> right that's so funny do you, uh out of curiosity because i don't know and I'm, I'm gonna come i'm totally ignorant and i i kind of get shit from some people for not being as educated on here but i don't know the story of how um edie and ernie met so i just if you could i mean i know you probably talked about it last time too yeah Storm, i know i mean i just know from what i've read <laughs> okay, i'm sure right. you've got well, some I, really interesting yeah, well i mean my mom, uh, it, it's interesting. My mom was this kid that grew up in uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Her parents were incredibly um, proper. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania Dutch. I mean, they were just very, you oh, know, know like a lot of like, you know, jello molds and, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. And, you know, my 
my mom would always say, like, you'd walk into the house and, like, every dish would clatter and uh-huh. it was just, everything was just very precious and very whatever. Um, so the fact that she wanted to be an entertainer yeah. was almost like, you know, she couldn't even see the movies when she was a kid. Like, that yeah. was just too crazy. Jesus, that's crazy. Right. Um, so Ernie later would be doing like parodies of sketches, and my mom would have to go like, "Okay, you got to tell me more about this because like I didn't, I never saw this as a kid. Like I never saw these movies. That yeah, you're making right. jokes of these B movies or whatever. Right. Um, but essentially, my mom graduated. Well, she was going to Juilliard, and she got she won a contest as Miss Television 1950. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and she also won this other contest for like Arthur Godfrey's Talent Scouts, which I mean I'm way too young to even remember that show mm-hmm. but it was a big deal in 1950 or 51 okay um and one of the producers on ernie's show saw her sing a song on the one of the one of the two of them and essentially was like hey we should bring her on to our show let's see if she's any good and you know yeah. and i think you know even ernie was sort of like whatever you know it's this pretty blonde or whatever and we'll just bring her on the show and that's fine sure. and i think pretty early on it was sort of like he was doing his best to not tried to pay attention to her and mm-hmm. she was kind of doing her best to not pay attention to him but there was a, a definite connection and right. she'd never seen anybody like Ernie she talks about it in her book how mm-hmm. you know he just was like you know I never saw anyone like that I didn't yeah. see you know Hungarian people and he had a mm-hmm. smoke cigars he had a mustache and he was dark and like he was so the quote she always says like you know I don't know what it is but I want one and that's <laughs> yeah. essentially like how yeah, that that's happened. awesome yeah it's that's just so uh, I, I imagine then her own sense of humor must have been pretty sharp because comedians don't like people who can't keep up and don't <laughs> laugh at their jokes yeah you know and the thing about my mom was that you know she was you know I'm going through a bunch of my mom's stuff now mm-hmm. and we're actually going to be le- releasing a lot of different stuff I mean a DVD from her shows in awesome. the 60s and all this oh, other cool. stuff uh, but what was great about her was that she got along with comedians and she got along with actors and she got along with, you know, writers and, mm-hmm. you know, I think my mom just genuinely was interested in, in a lot of things. And I mean, even stuff that I see on YouTube that I haven't seen for my own collection, like my mom doing a Marilyn Monroe impression, mm-hmm. but doing it as like singing Davy Crockett theme <laughs> is like, that's pretty absurd in the 1950s. I mean, that's pretty yeah, crazy. That's, I love it. It. that's you know? so good. Yeah. Um, and it's very, it's very funny, and she's still very sexy. I mean, it's weird for you to say that as a, like my mom, <laughs> right. uh, but I've I've come to terms with it. I'm in my forties. I I can you know yeah. she was a sexy woman. All right, guys liked her. I get it. All right, yeah, fine. That's yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, she was their their comedic thing was 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 good. Yeah, that's so good because again, you you know just from experience, a lot of actresses just don't have a sense of humor. Yeah, <laughs> that, maybe I'm and, bitter being in L.A. for this can, long. And yeah. I have absolutely no idea because all I know is just what I've read on books and online and the things I've seen on TV, but I've always thought, I've always had an impression, especially when you see bits with the two of them, Ernie and your mother, mm-hmm. you could tell there was a dynamic. Like, I almost, I didn't know if they were brother and sister or mm-hmm. lifelong friends mm-hmm. or if they were partners or what was going on, but whenever you'd see a bit with those two, yeah, you definitely could tell that there was, like, always a smirk on both of their faces there was always something that was just like a little bit different like you knew the dynamic there was so i could i couldn't even imagine what it would be like at the kitchen breakfast table seeing that dynamic yeah. like at on film right yeah. that dynamic when it comes to taking out the garbage or like or just like everything on every day i mean it, it just it just seemed like they had a really Dyna- like dynamic relationship you yeah. know well my mom would say that one of ernie's like great tra- besides the fact that ernie was like a terrible insomniac and could sleep like four hours a night and mm-hmm. you know function perfectly uh 
was that, you know, Ernie had this sort of zest for life where she would say, like, he'd wake up and he'd be like, this is the best eggs. These are the, this is the best coffee I ever had. It's the best food I've ever eaten. So everything to him was, like, you know, just new all the time and he just had a real passion for i mean the guy smoked what 15 20 cigars a day i mean like you know insane amounts of you know uh cigar but you know that also i think goes back to uh you know ernie was in the tuberculosis ward when he was a kid and all that stuff and i think that you know he spent almost like a full year when he was like basically a teen i think maybe his early 20s i don't remember but he basically spent almost a year of his life there yeah and i think he realized that you know what i could die at any time there's death all around me i'm in a pauper's sort of you know uh hospital yeah and gotta enjoy life and i think that's what he did i think he just went said the minute i get it i'm gonna spend it i'm gonna do everything i can it's almost like like bobby darren Mm -hmm. who had the heart Mm -hmm. condition he kind of realized like you know what i'm probably gonna die young and i'm gonna have the most amount of fun and do everything i can in that short amount of time right I it's, think Ernie had that. It's so weird, though, just because you don't see that as often in comedians. I mean, it's... Uh, I just I have to go off the stereotypes. I know so many Tears of a Clown comedians that right. it, it bores the crap out of <laughs> right. me. So you don't find too many people with a zest for life no. that can still make good comedy. Yeah. Because the comedy has to come from a dark place, but a lot of comedians don't realize you, ha- you don't have to live in that dark place 24 hours a day. Yeah. You know? Um, he, I mean, he did have his dark moments, and sure. he, I think towards the end, my mom kind of talks about in her book, like, how it was getting pretty hairy with the IRS and right. money troubles, yeah. and, you know, his mother was uh, definitely an, an issue in his life, mm-hmm. um, but uh, at the same time, I think, you know, he just, if you got it, spend it, and, mm-hmm. you know, if... if if I'm making a thousand dollars, I'll spend ten thousand. Like you know, right. you can't tell me how to live my life, and yeah. which is why essentially he didn't want to pay his taxes. Right. Was that they were in an incredibly high tax bracket? Everybody talks about our taxes now, and yeah. here we come, Republican National Convention and Democratic National Convention, and my mom and Ernie were in a ninety percent tax bracket. Yeah. So every dollar that they earned, ninety cents went to the government. Yeah. And Ernie was basically just like fuck you i am not giving you this money right. and he didn't pay his taxes right. and then they got audited and there was a whole story which again you'll read in the book mm-hmm. um about a sort of overzealous irs agent who basically said you give me a little bit of money no problems you don't wow, get any really? money there will be problems holy shit and my mom would never name the name she mm-hmm. never told me she didn't but there was a guy and basically that started like years of irs trouble for wow my mom. wow Holy cow. Yeah. Well, as a former tax attorney, <laughs> oh, yes? I can say that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I don't do tax law anymore. I hear you. Because. Mm-hmm. Wish you would have talked to my mom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I wish I could have. Yeah. <laughs> so, if there's a time machine, we'll find the time machine. Yeah. Yeah, there you we'll go. go back and. Are, are there plans for. I'm sure there are just so many archives there that could go onto another album, right? Well,. I will give you the exclusive yes. details All about right. this. Um, I'm stoked on this. Do you guys know about uh, Record Store Day? Yeah. No, no oh, yeah. I don't. Okay. I should oh. with this fucking podcast. Again, the, <laughs> the, the vinyl geek. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. You're more, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Record Store Day, there's this thing every April mm-hmm. where essentially everybody realized that, you know, people aren't going to record stores sure. anymore. Independent record stores are kind of dying in a lot of ways so let's do some exclusive things that will just literally get people to walk into a store and yeah. it's turned into this vinyl craze and it's i'm the geek too i yeah. i can't stop buying this so stuff mm-hmm. so that's every april but every november 
they have a thing called Black Friday. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a smaller version, but it's like two times a year they do this. So this November, we are going to be putting out a picture disc 10-inch of Ernie Kovacs, Percy Dove Tonsils, Christmas. Holy oh, shit. Man. So it's, oh, it's like five or six tracks, uh-huh. and the artwork is awesome. Oh, my God. And we're putting that out. Oh, and it's ex- cool. like There's only a 1,000 of them, oh, and like, it's very limited, but oh. it's pretty cool. Yep. So. Get in line now. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Get in line I'm, at Amoeba right now. And again, Omnivore, amazing job. Like yeah. They just get it. They yeah. just get yeah, it. That's and so like, cool. Yeah. It's so cool that these things are getting the treatment that they really like, deserve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's and, and you you this is a good way I think anyway to draw attention. I mean, vinyl at least is finally finding more of a an audience. You know, I know it's a little more expensive, but whatever. It's <laughs> it's it's more than worth it because again, yeah. for me, and I've talked to a lot of people about it on on these shows. Some people, I it trends younger. They don't really care about having something physical in their yeah. hands. For me, yeah. it's very important, and there is I couldn't something. tell. Yeah, right. Being in your space. <laughs> yeah. I'm exactly a, the same way. Don't worry. I, I have yeah. a problem. I mean, this 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 house is just filled with with crap. Well, I am. I am you. Trinkets. You are me. We're the same person. I'm telling you. Yeah. No, that, that's why I've always liked it because it's just nice. Because it's actually a process of listening. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that you lost as soon as the tape deck could go to side B automatically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's because you sit down and you actually like hold it, mm-hmm. and you sit and you kind of listen, and maybe you're doing something else, but there's actually like a process. It's more. It makes you, the media makes you right. yeah. be more involved with it and be more conscious. I vividly remember uh, my sister, who was Ernie's, was my, she was my half-sister, was Ernie's daughter, mm-hmm. um, and my half-sister, was my, it was Ernie and my mom's daughter. There you go, the okay. only child they had. Uh, but I remember her coming home and having a Steve Martin record, mm-hmm. and literally, like, I think it was uh, Let's Get Small, I think. Okay, yeah. And she That's... was like... You have to hear this. And mm-hmm. me, my mom, and my sister sat in my room mm-hmm. on my little, you know, mm-hmm. plastic record player and laughed for like 30 minutes. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and that's so cool. waiting for the punchline, waiting for the joke, you know, and us just laughing. And I just remember it was a, it's a great memory of, you know, being a kid also just like me, my mom, and my sister. Um, but just also realizing like Steve Martin was so damn funny. And yeah. so that was part of my, yeah. So, oh, that's so that awesome. vinyl... That vinyl got us together. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. See, that's exactly. Yeah. Well, you see, you already you already answered the question <laughs> I was going to ask. Did you ever make any friends like over comedy? Like, I don't know because I mean, again, you talk about you're a vinyl guy, a lot of music, but I don't know if you collect any comedy stuff. I have so much stupid vinyl mm-hmm. comedy stuff, which is why I was like, "You are my people." Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I I'm the one that goes to the thrift stores and I'm looking for you know vinyl. I'm looking for you know whatever I can find, but like. Yeah. It started with Steve Martin and Richard Pryor, and then it mm. went to George Carlin, right. and then, you know, I mean, I have, you know, you know, whatever the not, uh, History of the World Part 1 on vinyl, or then there's this, like, single that came out where it's like a Mel Brooks rap, and it's like, I would just, you know, I would get way out there, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I think those things are the coolest things out there, because, yeah. I mean, I have, like, you know, I remember buying, and this is really obscure, do you guys know who Wally George was? Or is whoa no okay no. well Damn it, he's not a comedian me. but okay. he was like he do you guys remember Morton Downey Jr. Yes. remember oh, that yeah. oh okay. absolutely yeah. he was the Orange County public access version of Morton Downey <laughs> really? Jr. really okay the other I, weird I like thing this, then. is that Wally George is Rebecca De Mornay's father what yes. okay random so he was this like insane guy on television in the eighties that would just basically put down his guests 
and and it was like theater of the absurd. But it was you couldn't take your eyes off. It was the first like craziness I ever saw like on right. television. So he put out this like ridiculous Wally George like record with music and rap, and I'm like, what? I have to own this. Yeah. Like this Holy is a piece shit. of Americana. Yep. Um, but it was I, that was a comedy record to me. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Holy um, crap. I have, like, his crazy Chick Hearn from the Lakers. You know, he was the announcer mm-hmm. of the Lakers. Yeah, yeah. He did a thing on Rhino Records called, like, Rap Around. Yeah. Oh, Where he God. was rapping, but it was, like, his... It was so bad, but it was yeah. amazing. Right. But it was, like, the very beginning of, rap, like, Fat Boys rap. Like, not, yeah, like, yeah, NWA yeah, rap, yeah. but, right. like... It's a, with Chick Hearn? Yeah, it was oh, Chick man. Hearn. This, I bet you that's like, amazing. It's so great. So... I have to have this, like, you know, right. obscurities. Like, right. this is great humor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. One of the first poems that Percy Dalton ever wrote was called Thoughts While Falling Off the Empire State Building. And it's one of my contributions. I would like to do it for you now, if I may. Thoughts While Falling Off the Empire State Building by Percy Dalton. Well, look at me. I'm right at the top. I'm certainly getting my kicks. My, this building is awfully tall. There must be dozens of bricks. These guided tours are awfully dull. I'll slip away from the rest. There now, I'm all alone. This solo stuff is best. I'll just climb up upon this ledge. Gee whiz, my trousers are ripped. Perhaps I should get off before. Oh, darn it, now I've done it. I've slipped. Off I go into outer space, 103 floors to fall to. Let me see, am I correct, or is it 102 to fall to? And that, and that really is the best part about, like, thrift storing for old vinyl. It's yeah. like finding that completely absurd, like, what? Yeah. Like, what is this? Like, are you kidding me? Who they actually put, because it? it was such a cheap medium yeah. mm-hmm. to put out, especially in the 70s, mm-hmm. that it's like, you know, even if... You had five projects and four of them got axed. You're still putting out yeah. the seven inch, yeah. no matter yeah, yeah, what. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you just get... I found a uh, a Freddie Prince seven inch from one of his comedy albums. I was like, "Where are you going to find this?" Like, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like from the album. Like, I was always like happier when it was like the A side was like taken from the album, but the B side was like an unreleased thing. I always right. thought mm-hmm. like I'm getting the yeah, you know, the bonus. Yeah, the yeah. bonus. The material. secret, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that stuff's probably way more secret now too. It's yeah. just a lot oh, yeah. harder to find. Yeah, because it's almost like some of the stuff you can't even find catalog. No, like no. a lot of it, like it just it didn't even like well, whatever. Do you know the other thing is that you know in the '60s and early '70s there was there were these sort of party records, these uh-huh. black you know like alternate. Uh, Richard Pryor records that came out, but they were all under the guise of like this label called Do Two, and there's another one called Laugh Records, and uh-huh. there were these crazy obscure things. But you know, Richard Pryor put out, and this, you know, as a white kid growing up in the '70s, mm-hmm. I had all the Warner Brothers records, and yeah. those are amazing. It's something I said, and whatever right. Bicentennial Nigger, whatever it was. Right. But there are probably twenty to thirty records that he made for this other label. Really? That if you, they're there. I mean, but they're, you know, they're hard to find or yeah. they're expensive. But some of it is like, they just put a tape recorder on stage and just said like, that's a record. Yeah. Oh, or gosh. like, exactly. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff I'm like, there's a whole other Richard Pryor career that people it, don't even know about. That's yeah. kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And same labels that did like, you know, Skillet and Leroy or mm-hmm. Red Fox right. or... Uh, I mean, really obscure stuff where it's just like, I cannot believe... And they're mostly L.A.-based. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I was once in a record store in Baltimore, and they had one of those records for like $35. And I was like, wow, those are like, you know, 10 bucks in L.A. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah. was like, 
they didn't really get here. Like yeah. they didn't go to the East Coast. Like yeah. small distributor, small label. That's like crazy. Right. so. When I say you are my people, I mean you are my people. I appreciate it. I dig it. There's there's one album I'm actually trying, I I desperately want, but even out here it's $80. um, uh, I had Matt Besser on a few months ago, and Matt Besser said there's this album that Del Close, the guy who founded Improv Olympic and all that stuff, released called, um, it's called How to Speak Hip. And it is, it's a one-note record, I guess, but it's all like an instructional manual on how to speak as though you're a hipster back in the 50s. Wow. And this record's like 80 bucks at Atomic here in Burbank, and holy crap. I just It's got beautiful art on the cover. It's in, like, mint condition. Uh, uh, but, yeah, that's yeah, that's the kind of rare <laughs> stuff you don't you don't find. Yeah. It. Where where do you go around here, just out of curiosity? I know it's not going to help people who are listening on other ends of the country, but I'm curious yeah. where you find your records. Well, I do like Atomic a mm-hmm. lot, um, but I'm also the guy that, like... You know, I I work with a band that was playing a show in Long Beach. I was like, mm-hmm. I'll go to Fingerprints and I'll right, check out okay. what they got there. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. you know, my daughter has a is a, in daycare and like there's a really good you know Goodwill that's only like you mm-hmm. know a mile away. Mm-hmm. So you know anywhere I can find vinyl. And and one of the things I really kind of like to do. I don't do it as much now that I am a dad, but having the chance to go travel yeah. and like going to record stores mm-hmm. or you know I mean I you know going to Boise, Idaho or something. It, yeah. It's just good to thrift there because there's amazing stuff that you know right um but anywhere where i can find a record i mean if i've been to kansas city i'm like going to you know buy records yeah i mean i'm the one that come i have to take a backpack with me because i can't put it in my suitcase because i don't want it to break yeah and i need to have it with me because i'm that obsessive i can't can't leave my hands that's gotta be hard though because you gotta wait to get home to listen i know that's gotta be a bitch yeah I hope my wife does not hear this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Too much stuff. Oh my god, I'm really excited though about a Christmas. I love Christmas stuff in general, even though I'm not even remotely religious. But I love (laughs) Christmas themed stuff, especially if it's comedy. I'm very excited about. Very omnivore is also putting out uh, in October the Edie Adams Christmas record. Really, which has duets with Ernie. Oh, nice! And it's only on CD. This one he didn't do on vinyl. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who knows how that's sure. gonna do? So we have to start right. it, you know. But um, she sings like basically it was it was recorded in the 1950s. It was on a show called Kovacs Unlimited. Mm-hmm. Right. And my mom, this is why I know about acetates or about um, excuse me, um, audio air checks, is that uh, my mom was a classically trained Juilliard singer. She sang mm-hmm. opera, she sang, you know, high art, quote yeah, unquote. Right. So when she got an Ernie show, they would say, Well sing a pop song. Right. And mm-hmm. she'd go, I I don't know these songs. I Pat, yeah. Patty Page, I don't know, you know, whoever. I don't I don't know what it is. So mm-hmm. she actually paid out of her own pocket to get a transcription service to record these shows because she wanted to hear what she sounded like. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. So, oh. So it's only cool. the audio, it's not video. Right. So we don't have the actual video of the shows, but we have all this audio. Mm. So we pulled together from 1952 on Kovacs Unlimited. Ernie was on every day, so there was a December month where they yeah. sang Christmas songs, and we pulled all the songs off of there, right. and that's the record. That's Wow, crazy. that's really cool. And that sounds very good. How, how oh. is he as a singer, out of curiosity? <laughs> you know, he's a comedian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but he, um, you know, the thing about Ernie was that he kind of, tried i think he was game for it mm-hmm. and plus again if it didn't work move on to the next yeah, thing it didn't yeah. matter yeah, yeah um so there's a couple of things where he he sings like silver bells with her my uh-huh. mom is more of like the backbone of it and whatever mm-hmm. but you can tell he gets a little confidence and yeah. he kind of like you know i'm into it i, I get it and that's cool so some of that stuff is just like you know 
I'm just so happy it's out there. Yeah, it's for been sure. sitting in the dark at you know, a, you course. know, forever, and now it's like. Well, that's why I super love this cool. stuff. That's you know, I mean, that's again why I like to discover crap that nobody's heard. Yeah, you know, or at least that people haven't heard in a long time. And sometimes you can only get it on vinyl. Yeah, you know. I'm loving it. it Seems like you had a question. Story. Oh no, I was thinking for a second. Oh okay. <laughs> I was just uh, thinking how cool that that hearing. Your mom and and, uh, and Ernie sing Silver Bells is gonna be. I was just trying to picture it in my in my head yeah. for a second, being like, oh, Adams and Ernie Kovacs singing Silver Bells. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, it's bizarre. Yeah, but it's cool. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it are we gonna play it on Christmas Eve at my place? Yeah, yeah that's right. Are, are we gonna be able to get the vinyl one online, or is it gonna be kind of an exclusively like? Oh, stores released. The it, the whole point of Record Store Day, mm-hmm. is, fortunately or unfortunately, yeah, is yeah, that yeah. they want you to go to the store. Sure, of course. So, so 100% might, exclusive. Yeah. And the Damn. other store, I keep forgetting about uh, Freakbeat. Mm-hmm. It's a great store mm-hmm. in Sherman Oaks. Okay. It is, yeah. Uh, I love those guys. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Bob Say is great. He runs a great store. and uh, But um, I go there on Record Store Day, and I'm, mm-hmm. but I'm literally the guy that's like, Okay, I'm gonna to go to Origami Vinyl and buy the, these things first, and then I'm gonna to drive to right. Sherman Oaks and wait online. And right. you know, my wife is always like, "A, why are you leaving so early? Mm-hmm. Right. B, like I've got some terrible drug addiction. It's like, well, <laughs> right. it's really just vinyl right. that I have to right. have, honey." Yeah. So yeah, I do the same thing. The whole calculation on Record Store Day. Well, Amoeba's gonna get the most of this right. print, right? Mm-hmm. But it's gonna sell the fastest. But I can go to Rockaway after because I doubt that anyone's gonna get that. Right? At Rock- yeah. And right. Like, I'm so gonna have to follow one of you. Now because <laughs> yeah. That's the only. It's, way it's I'm pretty get absurd. If, but it's, it's really awesome. fun. I mean, if it's your hobby, it's kind of, of fun. Course, the of only course. thing I don't like about it is that uh, people do it and they just buy it to sell it on to eBay, resell. Oh and yeah, that, that's that really. Yeah. I mean, that's annoying. It's like yeah, it's like it's like people. You know, like scalping tickets. Right. Yeah. Type. It's like the exact same mentality. And, and that's, that's so obnoxious when you see that. It's the same and, shit that ruins Comic-Con for nerds like me when there's guys <laughs> who have these books of autographs they're clearly trying to sell. Fuck you. I'm yeah. a fan of this person. Yeah, I have yeah, a real question. Kinda, yeah, kind of. <sighs> My mom would, uh, before she passed away, would do these, like, do you know the Ray Court shows? Do you know the ones mm-hmm. that are at the... He he he! Mm-hmm. This guy Ray Quartz does these big events, and usually at the Beverly Garland okay. Hotel. Okay. And you'd always see like Rob Zombie and John, uh, Joey Johnny Ramone, excuse me, uh-huh. uh, because they were crazy uh, like horror film nerds, mm-hmm. right? and they would be going around and like you know the person who was the in the creature from the Black Lagoon, they'd have them sign you know right. stuff like mm-hmm. supposedly Johnny Ramone had like this insane poster collection, mm-hmm. but you always had you know people like you know my mom and like you know then you have like Marjo Gortner or something right. like you know randomly um, yeah. you know Brandon Cruz or whatever, and so uh, I would help her out sometimes and we'd be selling you know as my mom would say or jams and jellies you know you right. go out there yeah. um, and there were definitely people we'd see that would you know kind of come and say oh yeah 10 bucks it seems like a lot of money I, maybe you know, just, and you, you'd see them again and again and they were just the people selling autographs yeah. and we were just yeah. like no yeah. no no, no. Yeah. like yeah. Josh you're the son of a bitch you're going to be the one saying no I don't say no right. you're the one right. so I was the muscle which is pathetic as it is <laughs> that's, that's, that's awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah. that's pretty awesome though that's pretty good <laughs> yeah oh, oh crap um, is there, out of curiosity, I mean, do you see, I mean, obviously, both of you, actually, I can ask both of you, since you guys are more the vinyl collectors, I'm just the comedy collector, do you see a lot of comedy vinyl, though, even when you're going out on these things? When you go out on it, like, in, new in, stuff? In, I mean, new stuff. Oh, new like, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not so much. I mean, there is, I do see, like, I saw a Dane Cook record Yeah, that printed. doesn't count. <laughs> <That> doesn't count. <laughs> Which is, you know, but, I mean, I think, I don't, I and maybe, you know, I'd, I'd be interested to see what you say on it. I think that 
with certain acts, mm -hmm. I think the major labels are willing to do it because it's just such a minimal right. cost and they can do such a low print and they okay. can charge 30 bucks for it that that's like an optimal thing. Right. You know, but I think in general as it like a kind of like we'll use this media as an art form, something like like you see like with all those classic mm -hmm. ones in the 70s, the Steve Martins, the Red Fox albums. I, I haven't really seen anything to that where yeah. it's being used as a medium as like this is how I want to express myself. Like right. the the Carlin, I think like the Carlin are probably mm -hmm. the best because he really took an un, was like I'm going to do something on this format. I'm not just going to do my act, right? Mm -hmm. But there's going to be something that's kind of more. I don't see that character okay. as much, but okay. I do see. I mean, they still put out comedy albums, sure. And uh, but not. I don't think it's targeted so much as being. You're going to flip the side, and when you flip the side, there'll be like a big, you know, flatulent sound or something. Right. You right, know, right. like something yeah. like it's more. So. Our National Lampoon records, I mean, I was really big on those. I mean, mm -hmm. I loved, is it some, or excuse me, um, uh, That's Not Funny, That's Sick, or yeah. any of those were just like that. And I remember listening to one of the jokes, and I went to Tower Records with my mom, and I was one of those kids that was like, but I was buying cassettes then. Uh -huh. um, and I remember listening to one of the jokes, and it's all about, the first sketch is like how vulgar they can be, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And it's all like, you know whatever i mean it was just so and i was laughing hysterically just because they were saying like vagina and i yeah, thought that yeah, was really exactly. funny yeah. <laughs> but my mom was like oh my you know she she wasn't a prude but she was just like and, and after it was over she kind of like turned it off and was like okay here's the deal you can swear but it has to be funny right like yeah. if it's not funny it's just swearing right and i right. was like okay i guess i get that okay. i just thought it was funny because they were saying you know whatever yeah kind of yeah yeah. Uh, poop. Yeah. It's just funny. Um, but I also think, just to get back to what you were just saying, I think, like, when you had in the 80s and 90s, when you had, like, a Sam Kinison, who was sort mm -hmm. of a cultural mm -hmm. phenomenon, or Andrew Dice Clay, mm -hmm. uh, you would see, like, you know, Deaf American putting out records, and there was, like, hundreds of thousands of copies of Andrew Dice Clay records. Yeah. Right. And milking that, you know, three or four records down the way until it was, like, 50,000 and, you know, right. lower. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Comedy Central, I think, has a record label now, yeah, they and they do. put stuff out. And Do they? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, see, because cool. I'm just not... They do CDs. I mean, so like, the only, the only one that I know that specializes, again, to my knowledge, is a special thing records. And they're the ones who put out Jonah Ray's album, which is this one. They put out, you know, rarely will put out a vinyl. He likes to just put out vinyls every time he does comedy. Cool. Um, which is awesome. But, yeah, a special thing, astrecords.com, if people are interested. And you already have heard of them, I guarantee, if you're listening <laughs> to this podcast. But, yeah, I don't, yeah, because you just don't see it. I know Weird Al, you know, like, he, he released his latest yeah. album on, on vinyl. Right. I don't have it see on that. vinyl. Yeah. That's a major. Right? Mm -hmm. And also, yeah. I think his fans, right. he goes back 20-something years, they, they had turntables. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. There's Actually, there's this one story that I've heard told on a million and podcasts, but I hope to hear it told. I don't know if you guys know who Paul Shear is, but Paul Shear is yeah, on yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, b -b 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 The League. He's on that the fake CSI spoof on Adult Swim. He, uh, he, has, he had Weird Al 3D growing up, but his mother, because there's a song on there called Nature Trail to Hell, uh, she's very Christian, uh, made him snap it over his knee. <laughs> made him snap the friggin' vinyl over his knee. Did you guys ever have anything banned in your houses? I, I'm gonna guess, Josh, maybe not. No, my mom was, like, cool. so cool about, yeah. like, I mean, 
you know, there's like a Richard Pryor sketch where he's going like nigger, 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 nigger. Mm -hmm. And like, I was just shocked that he was saying it in my house on a record and I couldn't even believe it. And, you know, she kind of like poke her head and everything. You know, what, what's this? What's that? But not really. Yeah. I was very, I mean, I had incredibly liberal parents. Right. Right. Very liberal. And I know, I know Storm that you did too, but. (laughs) Yeah, no, there's nothing really. No. Not even bedtime. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think I was really banned from anything. I don't think. I, I will tell you one. Like as a comic guy, this will kill you. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One of my best friend, uh, Sean, um, went to a Catholic school. His parents were Catholic. He was, you know, the whole outfit, and kept, you know, in class in a book. He had a comic book. Uh huh. And one of the nuns saw that he was reading a comic book, and it was particularly gory, or it was something right. not, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't Dennis the Menace. Right. Right. And uh, something cool. <laughs> they took it away from him. And he had hundreds of comic books at home. And they called his parents. And when he came home, his dad had literally cut up every single one Uh, in half. Oh, come on. And he just said it was the most traumatic experience he'd ever had. Wow. And he just like, you know, he just, A, like, I'm never forgiving my dad. Mm -hmm. And like, I'm traumatized by this. Mm -hmm. Completely. Meanwhile, Detective Comics won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, number one is yeah, now right. on two. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. Yeah. Jesus, that's so, not right. Yeah, that's that's that, that would that would have traumatized me. For yeah. Sure. Don't yeah. do that to your kids. No. 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 Do, um, <laughs> the, did your mom? Out of curiosity, then, did your mom have any like comedy vinyl stuff? Did she? Well, one of the cool things about growing up in that house was that you know Ernie was also a DJ, which we mm-hmm. talked about mm-hmm. earlier. So we had a lot of stuff i still have records that he got as a dj mm, awesome. so but i mean we had lenny bruce records yeah. and i'm rediscovering lenny bruce and also realizing like you know it it's 40 plus years since you know this was recorded mm-hmm. some of that stuff is still groundbreaking oh, and, yeah. and, and, and mm. insane what he's talking about i oh, can't yeah. imagine talking about civil rights in like the middle of it and, right you know saying the words he says and you know yeah. um but we had like you know uh, I'm trying to think we had Lenny Bruce records we had um, First Family uh-huh. everybody seemed to have yeah. that one right yeah, yeah. that right. was sort of the uh, you know 101 strings mm-hmm. version of comedy yeah like, right. yeah um, but there was a lot of different you know great stuff that we had on vinyl and I still have some of it I had to get rid of because my own collection plus my mom's was just insane but yeah. but. Um, my dad was also a photographer, but he worked in the music industry, but uh-huh. he knew a lot of comics. Okay. So we would, you know, I remember vividly going into Nate and Al's deli, and there's, like, Shecky Green, and, like, my dad's huh. like, Shecky, like, Marty. We awesome. sat down and talked, and I'm like, even then, I was like, I'm sitting down with Shecky Green. Like, yeah, this is yes. pretty damn cool. Yeah, yeah. Or even, like, you know, Norman Alden, who just mm-hmm. passed away, was a famous character actor, yeah. like, you know, Marty, whatever. And so there are these moments where I was just like, this is, there were really cool moments as a kid that... <laughs> Very few people think like meeting Shecky Green is a cool thing, but I thought it was like the greatest thing. Yeah, it would blow my mind. Yeah, yeah. So, God, it's got to be crazy. Those are like you know these memories are just you know, or we would my mom. We went to unfortunately Stanley Kramer's uh, memorial service, or Uh it was like a public one for I think it was the producers or directors guild probably. Okay, but like everyone was there. It was like Sidney Poitier, and like it was just went on and on and on. Mm -hmm. And my mom. It was so funny. I was like, you know, everybody, after it was over, like, there was, like, a reception or, you know, and she was kind of like, okay, let's go. And I was like, you don't want to, like, just, and she was just like, no, not really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I guess, you know, like, my mom had met so many people, People, she didn't really feel like I really need to schmooze very much longer. So we just, like, went home and I was like, 
Yeah, not oh. only that, and she also saw, you know, there's, she was at the birth of it all, of the entertainment industry. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? She yeah. saw it come up. So I imagine that things are less impressive when you see how things started. I mean, not that they're less impressive, but you know what I'm saying? You're the star struck element because you, yeah. you know, she was there. Well, you know what I'm saying? it's funny because I actually did see this on the internet. My mom was on, and I remember being at one of the tapings, but my mom was on the Hollywood Squares. Awesome. Yes. Right. And I remember being there, and I was mm-hmm. very upset because I only picked her like two times or something. Right. Uh-huh. You know, I didn't get that, like, you know, Paul Lynn gets the prime spot. I didn't, <laughs> right. you know, get it. Um, by the way, there's a great record called Zingers from the Hollywood Squares. I think I've seen that Which one. you should get. Really? Yeah. Yes. Oh. And it's all Paul Lynn, like, you know. The confirmed bachelor, Paul, and, uh-huh, right, uh-huh. Um, you know, how America didn't realize. Okay. But, yeah, right. But anyway, my mom, they, 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 <laughs> one of the questions is about the Beatles. And my mom makes this really derogatory comment about the Beatles. Really? And she actually, on her show, did a parody of the Beatles called, like, The Roaches or something. Uh-huh. Because my mom, Frank Sinatra got that they were geniuses because he would sing, you know, mm-hmm. George Harrison songs right, or whatever. Right, right, right. My mom, on the other hand, was like, you know, no, like a genius is like Leonard Bernstein or like Andre Previn or, right, right. you know, all her Juilliard came out and she just thought this terrible four chord rock and roll stuff. Right. So it was just really absurd to like hear my mom like trash the Beatles. And That's so funny. On the Hollywood Square. On the, well, yeah, on the Hollywood Square. Exactly. Which is like, that's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. that's Wally I mean, Cox was holding his head. No, I don't. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I mean, what's going on? I, I, I'm trying to think of some way to make it more like yeah. surreal the situation, but you probably I don't know. I mean, yeah, shaving camel or something. I don't right. know. Something completely <laughs> insane. That's so crazy. Wow, that's a good record. I'm gonna have to keep an eye. Singers in the Hollywood one. Squares, and it just Singers. reminds me of like you know being a kid. And you watched Hollywood Squares before dinner, like mm-hmm. you know that was like you know prime TV watching right. time. And, yeah. You know, and I was a huge baseball fan, and I knew that Peter Marshall's, I think it was his son or his, his stepson was Pete LeCock. His name was Pete LeCock. Oh, awesome. And he was a first baseman for the Royals. Oh, really? And I was always like, Mom, can I meet him because I really want to, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. see a ball game? I don't know what it was. Right, yeah. right. But yeah, dug yeah, it. Tricky. Totally dug it. Oh, this is the, the, see this shit kills me. This is the one one of the few reasons I stay in LA. I I love the industry, but I love stories like this. You know, yeah. like you don't. There's 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 a certain. Um, it's just very. Uh, what's the word I'm thinking? of? visceral. Mm-hmm. You know. You yeah, know yeah. to to have been around that. That's 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 just amazing that you got to grow up around. You got to grow up around kind of the end of cool Hollywood as right. far as I'm concerned. You know, now right. we're kind of like all right. You know, but that's that's pretty awesome. That's amazing. Thank you. I I like. I didn't think of anything of being anything special, but I just of course, sort of thought of like. But I do remember like you know my mom when I was growing up in the seventies. My mom was in a in Up in Smoke, the Cheech and Chong movie, oh, right. and like stuff yeah, like that, right. and you know uh, which I love. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that she's in it. Yeah. Oh it's yes. Even yeah. greater. Yes. Chong's mom. So I say to the people, they're just like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I'd seen both of those, and I'd known about your mom's work and of course Ernie's work, and I think I put the two together. Right. Like. Like three years ago. Yeah. All of a sudden I was like, oh my God. Like I had this moment like where it was like, yeah. The poem that Perthy is about to read to you now, it's called Happy Birthday to a Bookworm. This is one of the real bookworms, by the way, the little ones that you find in books, not the people who read many books. Happy Birthday to a Bookworm. Oh, hail to thee, voracious young fellow. You go through my books like a dog runs through jello. 
bantam adetians, to you take like rolls. They must be, for mine are full of your holes. The first time I saw you, so gay and so loose, you were gumming some pages of my mother goose. You tune on some Darwin with an appetite fierce, and for your dessert, you ate Mildred Pierce. Yeah, I mean, you talk to people, and there's like, you know, I say Edie Adams to some people, and they're sort of like, ah. I say, well, your parents would know, and then mm-hmm. I would sort of say, like, well, she was in the apartment. They go, oh, she's in the apartment, and then mm-hmm. I'd say, like, well, she was in Mad World. And they go, oh my God, she was in Mad World. So yeah. Yeah. those are sort of the gateway drugs to Edie Adams. I guess, right. Or, exactly. Um, exactly. But uh, you don't really have to go through the Happy Hooker goes to Hollywood to actually get to <laughs> yeah. Edie Adams. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So that's not a great film. Never no. 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 <laughs> um, let's. Um, I, I, I think we've covered, uh, well, we've covered a lot, and we've been here, I don't want to keep you longer than an hour, but um, where where should we tell people to fi- where to find the album, oh, where to yes. find you, all this good stuff? Absolutely. Um, and believe me, I could talk for another hour. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's ErnieKovacs.com, mm-hmm. that's our website, and there's also EdieAdams.com. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to check out the vinyl, um, you can always, you know... I won't even say iTunes, but you could go to omnivorerecordings.com. There's a page for both Ernie and my mom. Awesome. And you can pre-order my mom's record, which Mm -hmm. is coming up, and Ernie's record, which is already out. Um, And then Shout Factory. I think it's shoutfactory.com. Okay. And you can get the the videos, which we're putting out uh, volume two, which is a three three DVD set if you buy it in the stores, four DVDs if you buy it from Shout Factory. Really? uh, With a bonus uh, disc of... The show Take a Good Look that Ernie yeah. did. Oh, okay. So, and it's got amazing, crazy guests. I mean, like. Yeah, I'm really excited because that first shout package yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. That's oh, when you showed me, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, no, no. The one no? that I showed you, I don't think you've seen the actual one. The one that you showed oh, me was okay. the best of. They put that on DVD. Oh, right. And okay. the three DVDs. Right. I mean, I've had that. That came out like. That was a 90. Yeah, yeah in 90, they had it on the tapes. I actually have the VHS of that. Too, oh, wow. Which is. There you go. Um, and then, uh, but then I got that on DVD. But I don't think you've seen this. That the chat one has Eugene. Yeah. And it has all. I mean, it is just remarkable. The well, stuff that you guys had pulled together for that—it's just amazing. On this one too, and it is great. Shout Factory did a fantastic job. Um, and the reason we're putting out a volume two is that that one did so well, yeah. which we were surprised at. We yeah. were like, you know, we didn't have projections, and they mm-hmm. like far exceeded them as far as their sales were. So That's that was awesome. great. But on this one, there's a half-hour pilot that Ernie and Buster Keaton did. What? It was literally what? the last thing Ernie I'm ever done. did. <laughs> Holy that's shit. it. Called <clears throat> Medicine Man. Oh, Holy my shit. God. And that's it's a, a, a pretty a... amazing time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you're, like, a Buster Keaton fan, you mm-hmm. need to buy it because it's, like, the only place you're ever going to see it. And it's, like, a brand-new print that they actually just redid. This... And it's really cool. So here we go. My two biggest dorky and, like, equal two... Is Buster Keaton like my my somewhat Uh-oh. obsession with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other one is Buster Keaton because it's just and I think yeah. the two in some weird TV, TV film, mm-hmm. um, sight gag, silent. manipulation, yeah, yeah. silent, kind of that conceptual and mm-hmm. like to be honest with you, I think Buster Keaton's whole thing is surrealism on film too. Guy sure. jumping off mountainside, flying down and getting hit, but you know that's what it is. It's yeah. about imagery and I you yeah. know I'll get really deep and crazy on it. But I've actually read about this pilot and. Uh, yeah, that, that just was mine. I'm like the happiest person in the world now, <laughs> knowing that that... Because I didn't even think Great. it existed. Yeah, there's a couple of weird things. And there were a few things that we tried to look into that we couldn't find, or there were things that we wanted to do. Right. Um, but uh, 
we had a couple of issues with the Ed Sullivan people with getting his performances, right. and I'll just leave oh. it at that. Right, right. Um, but uh, we did work out a deal with them, and the CBC interview, which is a 17-minute interview, 17 interview, is the only one-on-one, like, Ernie yeah. interview that's in existence. Yeah. And it's really cool. And yeah. it's actually shot at his hour there, whoever's, uh, <laughs> old house right by his pool. Wow. Which I remember seeing as, a, you know, I swam yeah. in that pool, mm-hmm. I, you know, went yeah, that'd on the slide. that would be really interesting too because there is a surprisingly little amount, not only of film, but mm-hmm. of actual, like, straight interview. You got me that, that, that uh, issue of uh, Time. Yeah. Which has the interview. But even that, it's 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 very limited. I is don't, it the life, life? Or the life, yeah, yeah, the one with him on the cover of the life. I'm sorry, the, the life. He didn't seem like he did a, as much... Of that, and even if he did, you always felt like even when you I've come across things, and a little bit's almost like a joke in itself. Yeah, like he's not very straight shooting. Like he always okay. has the puns and he has the sharp knockback like answers and kind of you know. The, he uh, you know he I found on like eBay and stuff. He did a couple of like you know men's magazines like Cavalier. He did uh-huh. interviews and things like that. Yeah. And he actually wrote for Mad Magazine. I don't know if you even know this. He no, wrote I didn't for know Mad. That. I didn't know that. He was. I guess Jack Davis was a fan of Ernie's and Ernie was a fan of his and they basically worked out a deal where he would like write and he did these like insane games. One was called like Gringo and it was like a game that didn't do anything but it uh-huh. had all these like, yeah, parts to it. Right, and right. So he wrote for a lot of like Mad and a few wow. other things. Um, but I'll tell you a funny, I'll tell you a funny story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Ernie came out here uh, after being in New York because essentially there was more money here. Right. Because sure. Hollywood was, you know, right. was going to make more money in Hollywood than he was going to make, you know, in film or television. So he goes on a meeting to meet his new, like, prospective publicist. And, like, they're giving him the whole song and dance. We're going to do this for you. We're going to do that for you. That you're going to, you're going to cover that. You're going to be in here. We're going to put you on this TV show, blah, 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 blah. And he said, well, you know, what about, like, Life magazine? Like, what do you, like, what are the chances of me, you know? being in life and they were kind of like well i wouldn't shoot for the stars like that's not really something that's probably going to be you know and he was basically and he was like okay well you know thanks for meeting you blah 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 and as they're walking out there's a newsstand he's on the cover of life oh wow and like he basically was just he would do that to people he was just testing them to see like what they would say and finally they kind of had e crow and they were like well and he he didn't hire him right of course because they didn't have any faith that they could get it he was like i i got it yeah i got it so obviously it can happen yeah thank you wow Oh, that's so cool. But there is, by the way, and, and it, I, we don't even know if it exists, there is an interview that David Susskind did in the, in the 50s with its one show, Ernie, Rod Serling, and Sheldon Leonard, who Holy was one of the major 50s comics yeah, uh, producers. Yeah. And they don't know if it exists. So we've been like, if oh anybody knows where that is, like God. that's a little goldmine. Yeah. Wow. What the hell would they talk about? I don't know, but that blows my mind because Rod Serling is one of my heroes. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. Just to listen be, to... like, like, what the hell would they talk about? I mean, television and the creation I, I guess, of like yeah. Playhouse 90. and I mean, yeah. Ernie did some fairly... He tried to do some dramatic stuff on TV, too, mm-hmm. and right. it was eh, somewhat successful. But right. I think just the creation of... You know this new Film. medium. Yeah, that's yeah. Insane, like yeah. art. That's I mean, basically they'd be talking about art. You're talking at that about point. three guys who mastered the form yeah. early. Yeah. yeah. Before yeah. anybody else had it figured out and realized yeah. that these three guys got it figured out. Yeah. Holy it sounds, I mean, it's one of those things that you just hope, like, mm-hmm. you know, someone day, turns well, up. It's it, it's in Grandma Stella Shredinsky's right. attic or right. something. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah, like the guy who found all the uh, baseball cards in his attic. Did you hear about this? No. Mm. 
he his grandfather had died like in the 60s or 70s and the grandmother had lived in this house and the grandmother just passed away and they found all like mint condition like tobacco cards from like the turn of the century and he sold it for like well into hundreds of thousands but like probably close to a million dollars because nobody had them yeah everybody thought they didn't exist yeah Wow. So maybe someone has this in like a barn or something in the attic, you know. Yep, in the attic. There you go. So wait, what what year is that supposed to be from? Probably late 50s. Right. Or it would have to be late 50s or early 60s at the very, like 60, 61 at the latest. Wow. How do you know about it existing? Is it just in a... There's a log of it. I mean, mean, it did, it did, we we know that it did exist. For sure. Yeah. You, you know, like so much stuff, like Gurney stuff, you know, some yeah. executive just essentially went, you know, I know what to do with this and got a 18-wheeler and yeah. dumped everything in the Hudson River. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, I love that, that story. That Although kinescopes. Me. That just... They, just they, they ran out of storage. They did that with all the early, like, uh, NBC stuff. They, they were doing that into the 70s. I heard a story... Um, <laughs> in the river. Uh, when we did this thing at the Paley Center in New York, Keith Oberman was the moderator, uh-huh. and he was a sports guy for years, but he was doing local sports. He was doing Channel 5 here. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Um, but he would he told about a story about one of the guys, I think it was ABC, where he was one of the, there was Carson's, Carson had like a, a local show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just, he basically told them about, you know, guys just like, you know, taking whole racks off the wall and just mm-hmm. like dumping them. Yeah, in the trash can. Yeah. Just throwing them in the, the dumpster. BBC did the same thing in the 70s and 80s where they wiped all the original Doctor Whos and they were going to do the same with Monty Python, but Terry Gilliam bought them all before they could do it. I heard basically, and I, I saw some interview with him where he essentially was like, you know, they they now have to pay me. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 To, 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 to yeah. use them. Yeah. yeah. And they were going to throw them away. Gilliam, by the way, is a huge Kovacs fan. That does makes not surprise perfect me. Perfect sense. He he had a great quote in the box set actually about how he was like this kid in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. And at a certain point, we had this thing going called the Ernie Kovacs, uh, uh, the Ernie Kovacs Award at this thing called the Dallas Video Festival, mm-hmm. and we give an award away. Um, and the people that got it were amazing. So I got to meet some. Like, I got to meet Terry Gilliam. I got to meet Paul Rubens, oh, wow. Joel Hodgson, who's still a good yeah. friend, right. uh, oh. Martin Mull. Um, oh wow. So I just had these great conversations with people where it was just... And I was just a fly on the wall. I mean, I'm right. listening to my mom talk about all these people. She just and, freaked out because she heard Joel's name. <laughs> oh, Joel. He's a great guy. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, but there were, like, random, like, invitations. Robert Smigel. Oh, um, man. And it just was, like, one after another where I was constantly, like, looking forward to it every year. Like, who, who are you going to meet this <laughs> gonna year? Meet this, year? Right. this is awesome. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah, so That's so cool. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of hoping... I mean, is there... Um, I know. Okay, wait. So, blah, blah, blah. sorry, we talked about this last time. <laughs> sure. But are is there are there any bios coming out of of Ernie like a book or is that anything in development? We're looking into. Um, Ernie wrote two books. Right. He wrote a book called Zumar, which mm-hmm. came out in nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. And then he wrote the well, it was a book that was published posthumously called How to Talk at Gin. Right. Um, which is about playing gin playing and card mm-hmm. games and mm-hmm. stuff. And Zumar uh, is. Fairly, you can still find it, but okay. it's not that easy to find. And we're trying to get that back into print because awesome. it's one review that I read, which I thought was really interesting, is that essentially the whole book is a payoff to the last, like the last page. It's yeah. almost like a setup uh-huh. for a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a weird way of writing. And evidently, it all started because 
the executives who were constantly trying to meddle in his business and he was basically telling them like consistently go fuck yourself go fuck yourself like this is mm-hmm. my show you're not gonna right um they sat him down it was a winter it was like a brutal winter in new york uh they sit him down in a big you know office he's got his like briefcase he's got a hat he's got an overcoat and they basically are just sitting there drilling him like ernie you can't write this stuff on your own you got to get writers this is how Mm -hmm. we want this thing and they just kept going and he didn't say anything Mm -hmm. and he just listened and listened and listened until finally he just went can you excuse me for a minute and i need to get coffee or something i need to get a water and he walked out of the building with just his suit walked like 50 blocks home and by the time he got home, supposedly he had the whole outline of the book in his head. And yeah. that's essentially what Zumar is about. It's about a guy who works in television who kind of comes up with this ridiculous contest called Miss Wipola. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he becomes like an overnight sensation because it's a huge hit. Yeah. Yeah. And how dumb all the executives are and how he doesn't even know what he's doing. Yeah. But like everyone thinks he's God. Right. Amazing. And it's about how the executives are just morons, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, is it any different today? Like, right, you know. Right. So it's a great, it's a great, it's an, it's a fun read. It's yeah. a really interesting. That's yeah. Pretty good. It's yeah. a, it, it, it's an odd book though. You read it, right? Yeah. Have you read it? Oh, oh yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. I got a an original copy. Awesome. Of course. Awesome. I tracked down an original copy. Yeah. Of course. Of course. It's nice. a weird read though. It is. But it's actually really interesting. Well, and I read it out of fandom. Yeah. And I, I've only honestly, I've only gone read it once, but I've always like thinking about it, and I read it like four or five years ago when I found the copy. And uh, actually, when I first moved to L.A., I mm. found a copy. And um, I've always wanted to go back because reflecting on it, it actually, outside of the fact that you have, oh, it's a novel he wrote, it has some, thinking about it, I want to read it again because it has this odd kind of literary value to mm-hmm. it in itself because it, it is kind of somewhat strangely written and it kind of almost has these existential, you know, kind of like this weird, mm. light-hearted, goofy, like, kafka-esque type thing going on because of yeah. the absurdity of what's going yeah. on right and like that occurred to me actually now that you're mentioning it, i'm just thinking i was like I, I do i thought previously i have to reread it because it's it's a good read though it's, it's a lot of fun. yeah i mean it's uh and what's interesting too is that i just read it about a year ago again i'd read it once before yeah. but you know the one of the characters names is eileen mm-hmm. and that was my mom's character in one of her broadway shows which was her name mm-hmm. was I, my sister huh. eileen that was a wonderful okay. town right right and his agent is this guy marty comer but in real life his name was marty comer mm-hmm. which right. was a friend of my dad's actually right. funny um so there's all these little things that i'm reading where it's just like oh that's marty comer or that's my mom or, right you're identifying and yeah. there's my mom write, writes about it in her book but essentially in he has an affair right. in the book mm-hmm. And basically, my mom said, like, he's telling me he had an affair, but he's not telling me he had an affair. So they had a very tough time when she read the book. He's like, how do you like it? And she was like, you know, you had an affair and you didn't tell me. And he was like, no, what are you talking about? Honey, you know, come back. And, like, they had this this moment. So there's a lot of personal stuff, like, going on I didn't know it was that, I didn't know it was that, uh, like, autobiographical. Well, it's... Not autobiographical, but, like, you know, drawn. I think he took his experiences and just transferred it on to some other guy. Right. But yeah. it's very Mad Men. I mean, it's yeah. incredibly Mad Men. It's fi- advertising and television in the 50s. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Before right. Mad Men. So. Right. But uh, as far as biographies, I, you know, we don't, we're, 
we're just kind of like I have this library and this like content. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out the best ways to of course to, to get it, it together. Out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, this has just been amazing. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I could sit and just listen to you talk about Sorry. this stuff forever. No, this is this is, <laughs> this was really good. But everybody, please get this album. I will make sure and put a link up on the website. Are you on Twitter? Is there any other kind of stuff where we can follow you? Facebook. I think it's actually it's I think it's real Ernie Kovacs and mm-hmm. then real Edie Adams as well. So Facebook.com backslash okay real um but these kids with the twitter i gotta figure it out no i yeah i i'm a, I'm a facebook guy i don't know yeah i'm the same way I, I still don't understand it I, something about characters and twitter yeah. only bird. There's, a, there's a bird involved it's, if you've got a joke then yeah. it's cool but i that's why i'm barely ever on it if i've got a good joke i'll put it on there. i just right. don't understand it i don't know i just i don't know you have to after we're done you have to someone will have to explain just it. sit you down yeah like you're my grandfather yeah exactly yes. even though you're my fine. age that's yeah. fine i know that's fine well, well Storm, Josh, this has been awesome. Thank you. I loved it. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, everybody, listen to Ernie Kovacs, watch Ernie Kovacs. Kovacs? I'm so nervous. I'm so <laughs> Listen to Ernie Kovacs, watch Ernie Kovacs, have your mind blown, and as always, have a good thing. There you go. What with so much in the newspapers today of rockets and so forth, I thought I would write you a short poem about rockets and so forth. It's so hard to rhyme. Cape Canaveral, so I concentrated on another aspect. This one I call Ode to Sam, the taller of the two monkeys on the occasion of the projected isolation in a rocket on their first flight into outer space. By Percy Dabtanto, too. Oh, Sam, I hate to see your dear face when you discover a million miles in space as you lean toward your companion with gestures so tender and learn your friend too is masculine gender. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, read our blogs, read our tweets, watch our videos, and read our books. Please subscribe on iTunes, rate us highly, and write your reviews. You can follow us on Facebook.com slash Comedy on Vinyl and Twitter at Comedy on Vinyl. Him knowing he got ripping mad, his eyes were bulging out, he jumped up.